Welcome back to Talking Lead. This is episode 12. How's it going, left hand? Going awesome, dude. How are you? I'm doing good. Did you have a good week? I did have a good week. Busy week, but good week. Yeah, busy week with work. Busy week with work, and we are happy to announce... You don't even know this yet, but uh, we're launching our clothing site tonight. Really? It is up and running. The Talking Lead. The Talking Lead clothing site. Cool. So we're going to start selling some stuff. So, uh, And everybody needs to buy it because we're... this is expensive to run. If, if you want t-shirts out there, t-shirts are coming. The big thing is we had to do embroidered stuff first because that's the only way we could do onesie twosies. If you just want to order one or two of these and not a whole lot of people order. But if we get enough demand Yeah, but our lead heads are going to be ordering tens and twenties. Uh, I hope. <laughs> oh, we got to get like one that says Leadhead on it, too. Oh, yeah. Leadhead, Jackwagon. Don't be a Jackwagon. Uh, oh, we got a lot of ideas for t shirts and clothing sure. stuff. So it's coming. Jackwagon's next uh, to me. If you want t shirts, send us an email, <laughs> post something on Facebook, let us know. That way we can show the demand and we can get a big order in. But yeah, that's going up tonight. I'll post the link on our website and on Facebook tonight, which y'all will be hearing this Friday night. So it'll be last night when it all gets posted. But yeah, we launched that. So I've been working on that all week. Sweet. Yes, very sweet. I got our press passes for the NRA annual meetings. Sweet. And Expo. In Houston? Houston, Texas on May 3rd through 5th. So we'll be going to that. Is it hot in Houston that time of year? May? It's hot in Houston all the time. Yeah, I hate Houston. Houston. <laughs> I hate Houston's weather. Okay. Let's put it that way. I love the restaurants. and I don't like the humidity down there. Houston, yeah. Galveston, That's the what I'm saying, the weather. I hate the weather. But I get to go back to Texas. That's my home state. Yeah, I can't right. wait. So how was your week this week? <laughs> Are you going to talk about my week now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's a busy week also. Probably not as busy as yours, but had a little disappointment this week. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. I got I got the call that my, my gun came in. Your, my your next gun you've one. been drooling over for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And The uh, one that we were going to surprise the listeners with. Right. But now we're not. Apparently the jack to. wagons jacked their prices up, too, and uh, I refused to pay those prices, so I had to turn it down reluctantly. Yeah. So I guess you can go ahead and say what that was then now, huh? Well, it was going to be a Caltech KSG. Ooh. But the, the MSRP was jacked up. Yeah, so. Caltech themselves. Yeah. So I think I know who our jack wagon of the week's going to be, <clears throat> but uh, we'll get into that later. Okay. <laughs> yeah, after this is over with, I've got to ask you what they jacked the price up to. Because I saw a notification where it said yeah. that Caltech had raised prices on all their weapons, uh-huh. trying to recoup their research and development costs before they was outlawed. Uh-huh. Uh, is what the excuse it gave for it anyway. Yeah, and and I was just wondering exactly how much how they actually... They went up to $1,200. I mean, it's on their website. You can go to K- uh, Caltech's website. Man, I wish you'd have called me. $1,200. <laughs> what are you talking about? You want it? Oh, yeah. I'm on that waiting list, too. I'm just behind you, evidently. <laughs> uh, well, I could call them and see if they still got one. Now, they got one in Smyrna for only $2,000. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say $1,200 isn't bad. I've heard of them $1,800, $2,000 yeah. to $1,200. It was going to be 11 yeah, there's eleven something, and then when you do yeah. the tax and you do the, you know, oh, yeah. it'll be like thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars. That's crazy. No, I just it's the principle of it, you know. That's why I do. You're a man of principle. I am. I absolutely am. I was like, I'm just an armed man. You know, if people, <laughs> if people keep buying them and paying those stupid prices, they're not ever going to go down. They're just going to keep going back. Well, you're exactly right. Same thing with the ammunition. People buying them, stockpiling them, or buying them, hoping to resell them. Its prices go up. So it's keeping the ammunition hard to find. Yeah. It is, but luckily the prices still are staying. I mean, if you find it at a reputable dealer or reseller, they're still guns or ammunition. Ammunition. I just, I just bought a thousand rounds of nine millimeter. Uh, what did I tell you? I paid for Academy, that. Academy two forty five. Two forty five for a thousand rounds. Yeah. A nine nine millimeter brass. Well, that's nine millimeter. You know <laughs> yeah. how I feel about nine millimeter rounds. <laughs> yeah, but still, I mean, anywhere else, you know, it'd have been double that price. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And I just happened to find a little, it's actually a bait shop on the side of the road that I stopped in that has ammunition and has it very reasonably priced. And I'm not going to tell you either one of y'all where they're located at. Because I'm putting this segment in the show, I'm going to splice it back in, and you would have told a few thousand people. Exactly why I'm not sharing it. But he actually limits you to two boxes per caliber person per day. So if you're buying several different calibers, you can buy two boxes of each caliber That's cool. uh, per day. And he, yeah. he Well, gets, most places are limited in you. 
Yeah, most like, like academy one box, uh, one per, box day. per day per you know, and it doesn't matter how many different calibers you want. Yeah. You only get one. Well, luckily, box. Luckily, this thousand round was one box. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome because Academy Sports. Every time I've gone in there, their shelves have been bare. You got to get for, in like, there. Odd six or seven millimeters or something. You know like that. what? I also found out what they're doing at What's Academy. That? They've got stuff. They just keep it out on the truck, and then they decide when they want to put it out. Oh, I didn't know that. Even there's, there's they had an AR the other day. Really? Yeah. And an AR, it was actually his AR-10. It was a 308. And I asked the guy, I walked up to the counter, I said, you guys got any ARs in? He goes, no, we don't have any in. And uh, got to looking down in the their little cage area. Mm-hmm. They don't display them. They keep them down there. Uh. They won't put them out. And I said, what's that down there that says uh, 308 on it? He looked down, he goes, wow, there is one down there, isn't there? <laughs> but then he went into the story telling me about how they get stuff in and they've got it. And they don't know if they got it or not, but they got it. They lock it up on the trucks out there, and they got ammo and they got the guns. And for whatever reason, they're not bringing them out. I, mean, I don't know what it is. Well, I went into a gun shop the other day and saw they had a wall full of them. And I asked him, I said, "How are you getting them?" He says, "I'm making them myself." He's buying the upper and the lowers and actually assembling them there, and he's got a wall full well, of. Even them those are hard to find. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't even find uppers and lowers, you know, to to build them. He's actually building his. <laughs> so, won't you introduce our our special guest? We have a very special guest here tonight. He is the guy that was going to be here on our pit bulls and bullpup show. Sadly, he got the flu, and now he's here. And so he is a very busy man too. He is so a very busy what's man. Taking so long uh, to get him in here. He is in law enforcement. He also trains the bomb sniffing. Dogs, right? Yes. At different, you know, locations, law enforcement, airports, stuff like that. Military? No, I haven't done military. No, military? no. Okay. Uh, we've done uh, federal government. I've worked with ATF dogs, Border gotcha. Patrol dogs, uh, TSA okay. dogs. And you own your own business as well, the Canine Psychology Center. Correct, correct. That's more of the uh, basic obedience and behavior modification. And that's it's caninepsychologycenter.com, right? Exactly. David, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Thank you all for having me here. Appreciate yep, you making time for us, buddy. So we're going to do a little bit of throwback to that uh, Pitbull and Bullpup show, talk a little bit about some dogs, but then we're going to talk about some cool gun and bomb stuff, too. Yeah. Dude, did you say bomb? Bomb. Got to clear the, the theater now. Oh. It's a federal <laughs> offense. What? It's a federal yes, offense. Yes, I said bomb. <laughs> or that's fire in a theater, and it? It's bomb at an airport or on a plane. Probably. Can't say that. That's still a federal offense? To threaten. Not just to say the word, but to threaten. It used to be just say the word and you get getting deep doo-doo. If you lead anyone to believe that you may have an explosive device on you while you're going through the screening process, it's called a false statement, which is a uh-huh. civil offense there. So if I went through and I said, man, this jacket's the bomb. No, that's not okay. making a threat. Okay. <laughs> that was I wouldn't advise it, but it's, it's that was me not being urban. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's throw back a little bit to that pit bull and bullpup episode. We wanted to have you on from for more of a canine psychology perspective. You have experience with pit bulls and um, rehabilitating them. And, and our correlation between pit bulls and guns was pit bulls have the same kind of plight. Just because they look a certain way, everybody wants to ban them and kill them and get rid of them and everything like that. But guns, just because they look a certain way and they're kind of scary, people think the same thing. So that's kind of the direction we took that show. And I don't know if you listened to it or not, but... Uh, absolutely did and i've heard where i absolutely got used way too much so i'm gonna try to stay away from that tonight as we go through this (laughs) i think we got a lead head here (laughs) very cool but pit bulls are actually some of the sweetest dogs i've ever worked with i mean they just love their owners and want to please the owners and unfortunately we have some of y'all's jack wagons Mm -hmm. that misuse that trust and they can like any dog can be trained to be aggressive i can take any breed of dog and make them bite i can take any breed of dog and make them as sweet as they can be it's all about the owner how the owner interacts with the dog and if he brings out that aggression or where he decides that aggression it's all in the rear and huh Exactly. You were talking to me earlier. You said you've got a couple from a recent local bust of a dog fighting ring, right? A couple of pit bulls? Yes, actually, I'm working with a rescue that we took two of the dogs that was confiscated out of Cheatham County out of the dog fighting ring there. Two of the pit pit bull dogs are about three years old, so they've been in the ring for several years. When we first brought them to the rehabilitation center, they had to be in crates, covered with blankets, couldn't even see other dogs. Now they're walking around, interacting with the other dogs, ignoring them. They haven't got to the point where they'll play with them yet, but they're actually 
interacting with them and just ignoring them as long as they stay separate they're good so was there aggression towards other dogs not, not other people? dogs yes yes no they're as sweet as they can be to people they just if they saw another dog they would go into an attack mode just visual stimulus which usually most people don't understand but that's the first stage of aggression is the visual lock on well by so just lock on to another dog or person and follow them and then the body tightens up and gets stiff yeah uh, kind of work themselves up in a frenzy exactly but if you can stop it there and redirect them at that stage before it goes out to a full-blown attack you're going to get the dog back redirected a lot easier how long have you had these dogs in your care right now approximately two months yeah two months and as far as when they first came in to where they're at now how what kind of progress have you made well, like I said, we've gone from not even being able to see another dog without going into a full-blown attack to being able to walk on a leash and interact with my dogs on a leash uh, without going into any type of aggression mode at all. Yeah, uh, They will actually play with my dogs, but that's where they escalate up to an, uh, an attack is when they get too excited mm-hmm. and they start losing that self-control. Yeah. So that's where we're working at now. We're teaching them to keep that self-control even while they're playing and interacting with my dogs. What are the ages of these dogs? They're believed to be, of course, they go by the teeth. The vet ages them by their teeth, and they're believed to be somewhere between two and three years of age. Okay, so they're young. They're pups. Yes, yes. It's, it's kind of fascinating you said that the first stage of aggression is that that eye lock in, and it's the same with humans, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you read the studies of, you know, that different government government agencies do when they're trying to profile, you know, a terrorist attack or something that's about to happen. That's one of the things they say. That person locks onto his target and he's going towards it because he's got in his mind he's going to take this target out. Even Which, in a fight, too. You know, just in a bar fight, you see that. They're staring at your eyes and it's just an animal instinct almost. Well, not only profiling, but just reading body language. As law enforcement sure. officers, we're trained to read body language of the individuals we're confronting on a daily basis and you're looking for different telltale signs you know the stiff body the the fixation of the eyes of course watching the hands looking for fidgeting sweating different things that we we are trained to look for what if you have add and you fidget all the time (laughs) 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 not really because it's not one particular sign it's in conjunction with other ones gotcha so what's our body language telling you right now (laughs) <laughs> Do we really want to go there on air? <laughs> Give us a little bit about your background. Of course, with David, we can't we can't tell exact places he worked, but he's going to tell us a little bit about his training background, the the types of law enforcement he's done. I guess sure, okay. the different fields I've been in. I've been in law enforcement for over twenty five years. In the law enforcement, I've trained explosive detection dogs for different agencies, local agencies, and federal agencies which is where I got started into my private business. I've also worked as a actual bomb tech. I'm sort of federal certified bomb technician. In other words, they train us to be able to make explosives in order for us to be able to disassemble explosives. So you wear those big suits like... I don't anymore, but I did. You did? Yes, yeah. yes. After I... The Hurt Locker, is that the movie that that was in? Oh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, after you, you're over one of those devices in that suit and disarming them, you're sitting there going, I don't think this was quite the... <laughs> Best career choice I could have made in my life. (laughs) And so I kind of got back out of that one. (laughs) Uh, Of course, it turned out not to be an explosive, but, you know, at the time when you're up there approaching it and working over it and and disassembling it to see if it's actually a device or just a hoax device, you never know. So how long does it take to get in one of those suits? That is something you don't rush. Uh, (laughs) And they weigh about 75 to 80 pounds. Yeah, uh, of Kevlar that you're wearing on it, and you know they it's look a, like they it's, weigh more than that. It's a joke among bomb techs that it just keeps you in bigger pieces, so they they <laughs> it's easier for them to bag you up when it's, things go pieces, wrong. Right? <laughs> what about the uh, the shoes of those things? What are those made of? It's actually Kevlar, and it's just a cover that goes over your normal shoes that you wear on duty. Okay. Uh, it kind of goes around your ankle and, and covers over your your shoe or boot that you have on. You got to have probably assistance putting those on, right? Yes, yes. It usually takes two at least two people. to put it on, and then they have an actual air circulation system that brings in air from the outside and circulates it around inside your helmet. You have a uh, radio communications. Uh, that you they're in the helmet so you can just talk normally back to the ones mm-hmm. nowadays uh more time than not they're going to use a robot to approach and do the initial assessment whereas in the olden days back when i started we had to go up there and assess it and then come back get your equipment you stuff you need and then go back up there and disrupt it or just part of it. your training did they uh did they ever like explode something around you or near you to man we think alike i, would <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that would be cool I mean, 
Obviously, they're not going to do anything that's going to kill anybody or hurt anybody, but uh, just to get you used to. Where in the training scenarios, they booby trap you constantly, but it's with a buzzer. Uh, so when you go in there, I mean, and trying to disarm, disarm things, <laughs> but let me finish. That's, okay, that's okay. just why you're in your training scenarios. But you actually do build real explosives, set them off, and then you come back and look through the debris and actually have to reassemble what was built originally so and you, you take blow stuff up then. right exactly oh yeah and cool. and you you reassemble through the debris what you actually built and you take pictures to compare the two to see how accurate oh, wow. you was and that's teaching you because it's with most law enforcement where they're after the fact and so we're having to gather all their evidence up and work backwards back to what happened and recreate that makes sense. yeah and mm-hmm. so that's why we do actually blow things up you get to put it together you lurk with all different types of explosives that are out there on the market today they teach you how to safely do it because you got the antarctic cookbook and stuff that eliminates a lot of wood be bombers for us over the internet if i say get just enough to get them hurt yeah (laughs) what was oh the anarchist cookbook yeah exactly yeah what is that I've I heard of seeing it. it when I was in junior high. Somebody was passing it around. It was it's like, been around for a while. Oh, yeah. It has been. It's been out a long time. But it was a book to teach you a lot of people how to make certain types of explosives. Pipe and, bombs, and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. But it, it doesn't always give you the best advice. And there was a lot of would-be <laughs> bombers that uh, got eliminated just through the process well, of trying to learn. The survival of the fittest there. You know, so <laughs> they, they deserve to be eliminated. Exactly. <laughs> Strengthen our gene pool, please. <laughs> Did you start off in law enforcement as explosives and then get into training the canines or how did you get into the canine psychology aspect of everything started, how did you become a canine psychologist <laughs> actually uh started out as, as a law enforcement officer and then uh got into being a um, canine officer okay and in order to be a more proficient explosive detection canine officer they wanted us to be more proficient in explosives to understand them understand the limitations uh, because if you go into a room it may be booby trapped and if you go in there with a canine to search it you want to know have some understanding what you're working with so that you don't get yourself and your dog killed mm-hmm. right. and so they wanted us all to become bomb tech so we went to redstone arsenal became a certified bomb tech and learned and then uh we switched from being part of the United States Police Canine Association certification to being part of the Transportation Security Administration, which was originally the FAA canine program. And uh, I was actually one of four trainers that was invited down there to actually come up with a train-the-trainer program for that canine program. Awesome. And uh, one of the things that we switched was how they clear an aircraft because they was having you search down one side of the plane and back up the other side. And I'm sitting there going, you never want to pass an explosive and come back up on it. So now we started either in and we clear both sides of the aircraft and work the way out back out. So that, you know, time on explosive is the biggest hazard that most bomb techs try to avoid whenever possible. Can you tell tell us where that facility is where you do that training? Is that top secret? All the uh, federal dogs that are trained for either the military or federal agencies come through san antonio air force base uh that's where all the dogs yeah that's where all the dogs are purchased and where their initial training is is done for the most of the federal programs border patrol i think has their own facility now but they're one of the few that has a separate one most of them are the dogs are leased purchased and come through there and then go Mm -hmm. into the different fields for training they purchase them from all over the world don't they Yes, usually or over in Europe. Is there a specific place that they like to get their dogs from? Most of the time it's over in Germany, uh, but in Europe, because they, they are known for their working dogs, they uh, have different expectations for their dogs over there than we do here in the United States. We call the uh, American dogs union dogs because <laughs> <laughs> they have certain expectations. They think they're into entitlements yeah. over here, you know, <laughs> and they work when they feel like it. Most of the dogs here in the United States are underworked and overfed. Uh-huh. Uh, where over in Europe, it's nothing to go into a restaurant over in Europe and have 20 dogs sitting laying there on, side by side on the restaurant waiting on their owners to come back, all in the perfect behavior. Wow. Uh, you know, because they're expected to behave. They take their dogs everywhere with them because they do have that behavior level. Right. And uh, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. And that's what I enjoy about my dogs is when you got a well-trained dog, you can spend a whole lot more time with them. They can go places with you. You can, you can take them just about anywhere. And uh, most places when not object as long as your dog is well behaved is there a certain breed that's better than another that that you found for the the bomb detection 
for a working breed dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mainly, we're looking for a, a breed that has a high prey drive. Uh, prey drive meaning wanting to fetch, because for them, it's playing a game of fetch. We start out by hiding their toy and letting them find their toy. And then we put the odors with the toy, and then we remove the toy, and they're just hunting for the odor. And we give them their toy as a reward when they find uh-huh, the odor. Gotcha. So that's how the training process, to simplify it, right. that's how the training process goes. So when they're working every day, they're playing. So it's not work, it's play for them. When I retired my first dog, and he had to stay home after working with me for five years, every day when I'd go out to work, he'd just cry. He wanted to go with me still yeah. every day. Oh, and it's nothing better than to get paid to have your dog with you every day, all day. I'll have tell you. Buddy with <laughs> yeah, you, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Cool. And the way I got into the behavior part is I had friends that just was having behavior issues with their dogs, and they'd asked me to help them out. And I started working with them, helping them with the different behaviors, and just through word of mouth, it's just grown. Yeah. To where now we have me and two other trainers working there at the Canine Psychology Center. Awesome. And staying booked about two weeks out in advance, so it's doing good. Now, you've had some TV appearances, right? Videos, stuff Yes, like we have a book out, How to Stop and Prevent uh, Dog Aggression. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been out four or five years now on Amazon. You can purchase it there or on our website at the caninepsychologycenter.com. We also have a training DVD, which is the 10 basic behaviors every dog should know how to do, how to sit politely while someone comes up and greets the owner, how to sit politely I've for used petting. That video. <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah, I think your dog went through the certification. He did process yeah uh, did real well in it thank you but it's uh um, he's a good boy he is he is oh, she big is. boy but a good boy <laughs> <laughs> but it's just you know we introduce them to other dogs they have to be able to walk on a loose leash we uh walk past them with crutches and with a walker because it's also an introductory course into a therapy dog uh so we want to expose them to what and make sure that they're not going to react aggressively or fearful to that and then we evaluate them for separation anxiety it's it's good the the video is good for anybody who owns a, a dog exactly it's right not just for like a uh, specialty dog you know like a blind what are they called therapy dog service therapy, dogs therapy service dogs yeah or service dog no yeah. it's actually for it's the everyday animals. homeowner yes yeah. it is and it's actually uh it's the american kennel club canine good citizen certification is the course that we've filmed and what i did is took two different personality dogs from our local animal control uh, they was already one years of age one of them and uh, we filmed everything that it took for me to train them to be able to pass the certification and uh, we have one high energy dog named lily that you'll be able to spot real easily and then we have one that's uh, samson that's more laid back because he exercised for an hour every day before we started training, which a lot of people don't know he when they watch that video. Well, just any dog. You know, the old saying, a tired dog is a good dog. Mm-hmm. There is a lot behind that. You know, <laughs> most nights, say 95% of all the behavior issues we, we get called out on is for lack of exercise. Dogs, you get bored, they get destructive. Dogs have energy that they can't get rid of. They're going to find a way to get rid of it if you don't give them a way to get rid of it. Yeah. And it's usually not what you're wanting. So tell us about the TV appearances, too. Uh, I've been on the uh, Channel 4 on the noon show talking okay. about my business before, and it's uh, made a couple appearances on there over the so years. Kind of like the Jack Hanna of the morning talk shows here. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say the redneck dog whisperer. <laughs> redneck. Yeah, I, like I don't, don't want to compare him to the dog whisperer. Yeah, but you if know? you throw redneck, it makes it so much better. Yeah. Kind of kind of going back Psych. to uh, what you were talking about, the bomb-stiffing dogs, it made me think it would probably be similar to training a hunting dog, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's so a lot of like my... Kind of tying back into, we, we talk about weapons and hunting and self-defense. And Right. I've actually been asked to train duck dogs before uh, for folks or dove dogs, and it's it's about hunting and retrieving, same thing that we look for in a working dog, uh, and we just bring that out and use that for the purpose that we want it designed so you for. So could, you could also train hunting dogs then? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can train duck dogs, uh, dove retrieving dogs. Uh, I've even worked with a guy with his coon dogs before going coon hunting. It's all scent work. So bloodhounds would make a good bomb-sniffing dog then? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) We actually have a bloodhound that was brought to me that was brought to me by his owner. They was going to euthanize him because he was so aggressive. He was biting them and their children. And he was dog-aggressive and people-aggressive. And I actually have a video on my YouTube site where it took me a week to be able to get in the pen with the dog. It took me two days to be able to get in there to feed him. Wow. took me 
another three days to be able to get in there and put a leash on him to take him out to be able to clean his pen. And now he plays with my grandkids. He's there. You've seen him, actually, Buddy, the Redbone Hound. Oh, yeah. uh, and he's just as friendly as he can be. But when he first oh, came, yeah, he was as mean really as mean. He's probably one of the meanest dogs I've ever worked with. We're going to blend in uh, our jack wagon train to uh, your background here. And I think that we ought to make our jack wagoneers of the week. The people that come through the security check areas at the airports still having their weapon on them or in a bag or <laughs> or something. Do you see that a lot? Trying or? to get their weapon through security? Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people do not know where their weapon is. And, I mean, wow. and, and they will have it in a bag and say that they grabbed the bag at the last minute to take a trip and forgot they had the weapon in there even firearms oh firearms is what i'm referring to yes yes and i'm sitting there going how can you not know where your firearm is (laughs) it's just amazing i got a question is all right when these jack wagons show up like that and you guys catch them what do you do with their weapons the weapons are placed into evidence for trial and then disposed of and then disposed of after their trial yes And and the sad thing is is a lot of people don't realize if you if you pack it properly and check it you can ship your I mean, you can fly with your weapon. It's just going to be in the baggage claim. In the baggage claim, correct. You have to be... There's a uh, proper way to to pack it and and store it, right? (laughs) Yes, and all you have to do is contact the airline that you're flying with and that they can give you their instructions because each airline is a little different. TSA has their regulations, and then the airlines have their regulations. So you want to make airlines more stringent than TSA on their regulations? Yes. Sometimes they have more stringent requirements than the TSA does. Is Uh, there a more gun-friendly airline than another, would you say? I know Southwest is. That's the only one I'm really positive about. Yeah. Gun friendly? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think As far it, as like ease of, you know, showing them, okay, I've got a weapon, I'm, it's flying with me, right. my bag. They're just like, okay, here's the process. <laughs> See you, bye. I think they're all pretty much the same when it comes okay. to that. I, I, I don't hire anyone complaining about the process. Okay. You know, once they understand it, it's just a matter of knowing your local police departments aren't going to have the guidelines for you. You're yeah. going to ha- need to contact the Transportation Security Administration and the airline that you're flying on. I, I've heard stories of people that, like, forget their pocket knife in their pocket. Now, they just lose that, right? Or, well, that, they have to go to trial for that, too. No, it's just confiscated. Okay. So yeah. you just lose if your it's knife. not you a sixty dollar knife and you forget it in your pocket. Well you're also subject <laughs> to a civil fine. Oh, if really? it's not a illegal, if it's not more than, than four inches, mm-hmm. the blade isn't more than four inches, then it's just a prohibited item. And, and it becomes confiscated by TSA, and you're subject to a civil fine from them, but you're not criminally prosecuted. What do you think about so, the uh, new changes they're trying to push through, where you can have the little bitty knives and stuff, little pocket knives? I find it interesting since they said the box cutters is what was used on 9-11, right. and it, you know, There's it, no difference in that than a box cutter. Exactly right. A lot of those right. little knives are, I mean, they're pretty deadly. I mean, they're just, and they're made from titanium. And a lot of them are, too. Uh, One yeah. thing that's always blew, blown my mind, I've flown first class once, one time. And it happened to be, it was around 03, 04, something like that, after 9-11. And the knife they gave me to cut my dinner with? <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> I mean, and every I'm looking around in first class, and she had like a real steak knife, steak knife, and I'm like, "What the heck is this?" But uh, it, the the logic sometimes in some of these places are like it, it, it baffles me. You made a comment about a blade not being over four inches. Talk about talk a little bit about that and what the law is on on blades. The blade cannot be more than four inches of length, and we measure from the tip of the blade. To the base of the blade. Yeah, uh, it doesn't include the handle, and but it, it's just the length of the blade itself. Um, now TSA's new regulation, if I remember correctly, is two point three six centimeters in length. I believe it is less. So it's a very small blade. But they, but, but what you're saying is that if it's smaller than that you can have it or no smaller than 2.36 centimeters i believe is what the new law what the new change is regulation is for tsa that you can and actually it's okay carry, it on to carry the plane. that on the plane right what if uh and you were talking about a civil fine as long as the blade is less than four you said they're not subject to a civil fine or they are subject to a civil fine you've got two different things going on there at the uh airport when you come right. through that's the security checkpoint yeah, that's what I want you, you have to prohibited items and then you have criminal items. Prohibited items is going to be regulated by TSA. 
and they're going to they you're subject to a fine through them. Criminal items are going to be enforced by law enforcement, local law enforcement at the different airports, and you're going to be prosecuted criminally for any, any criminal offense. Uh, you're also subject to civil fines through TSA for criminal offense, too. So you, if you have a criminal offense, you can actually face criminal prosecution and civil fines. Whereas if it's just a prohibited item, you won't face the criminal prosecution, but you're still subject to the civil fines. So what's criminal about having a, a knife that's longer than four inches? That is the TCA law. Is You're not allowed to carry a knife on your body for the purpose of going armed, it has a blade of longer than four inches. That's just at the airport, though. And when you say TCA, that's Tennessee code annotated, right? Tennessee code annotated. But that that's anywhere? That's anywhere. That's so anywhere. That's Tennessee law. So if yes. you have a blade longer than four inches on your person, that's illegal? Concealed. Concealed. Yes, for the purpose of going armed. So you like this one? And this is a question I have for you. My SOG Trident, which if you want to see it on the video, you can go watch the video on YouTube. It's exactly four inch blade, but there's also this little tricky law about having a spring assisted blade. Well, SOG, this is not technically a spring, so this is legal. But if it had a, it's not legal. No, if really, it, if it opens by itself, it which, doesn't. Open, I have to actually do it. No, let me okay. show you. Yeah, let me. I'll show you the test we run on it. Okay, can you hold if your you, hands out there? If you start it, uh-huh. and it opens. Really, that spring assist which falls under. Uh, switchblade. Really? Yes. Uh, actually, so I've been breaking people, the law for People the last get arrested all the time on these, actually. Holy cow. You're not now because you're in your own home, office, Re- building. Uh, yeah, but I mean, place I'm not going to create anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. So, so well, this is legal. If you have to manually, physically open it, and it cannot open on its own once you start it, then it's it's legal. So that's the test. It's holding it and just let. Okay. And it actually yeah. under switchblades it says inertia. If you can sling it and it opens on its own, that falls under a switchblade. Really, oh, well, I can do yes. that with this. And that falls under the TCA. And you can pretty wow. much do that with any knife. Well, no, it, it depends on if it's loose enough. And a lot of people put liquid graphite on them and stuff to loosen them up to be able to do that with them. But it actually, uh, according to the letter of the law, mm-hmm. if it's spring assist, which means it can open without you having to manually open it, or it can open by inertia, it falls under. And I am not a lawyer, and I've got to tell people this. No, it's it's just kind of like a thing, but it's what police officers, what we used to go by right, right. So to see if we had the probable cause to charge you or not. One of the reasons I bought this knife, right? I've got kids, yeah. you know, and it's got the seatbelt cutter. Mm-hmm. So if I have this in my car, is it illegal? Well, well you've got to you listen to the wording I intent. said. Okay. Purpose of going armed. Okay, so, so if it's in my glove compartment, I'm good to go. Or but in if your I pocket. have it on my pocket. It, no. It's not a matter of the location. It's how you answer the questions uh, or the officer is doing the investigation. It's, what is your intent? Yeah, with you that? know, if we have somebody come to us and we say, why are you carrying this weapon? Well, for protection. Well, you're then armed. you're carrying it for the purpose of going armed. Gotcha. If you tell me, well, I'm using it because it's had a seatbelt cutter on it and I have it for in safety. case I need it for safety purposes, then you're and not carrying it for the purpose of going armed. Okay. Gotcha. It's all okay. about investigating. You know, we have to investigate. We ask them questions to find out yeah. what your intentions are right. to the best of our ability out in the field. And another and, thing, another another thing that you pointed out in that uh, in the criteria is that concealed. Concealed. Also. So if it's out in the open, it's not concealed. If it's a hunting knife that is obviously used for hunting purposes, mm-hmm. then you know you can even have your jacket over it. But if it's a hunting purpose, you're going hunting. We stop you on the road. You've got your hunting license, and you just you're in your camo outfit. You know, then we know that you're going hunting with it. Then you're all right. But if you're telling us when we ask you, well, well you got that knife on for protection, even if it's a hunting knife, it's still illegal if it's over four inches. What if you have your carry permit? Uh, and- carry permit does give you. It actually, I just reading last night too, where it gives you the right to carry a armed rifle even in your vehicle as long as it's not one in the chamber but you can't carry it on your person in public places right is that correct you can't carry what a a loaded rifle 
in uh, Tennessee? No, you cannot. Right. right. Uh, the handgun carry permit is for the handgun, right. but it does give you the right to carry a rifle in your vehicle, does it load it you, as long as it's not in the chamber. Does it give you the right to carry a knife longer than four inches on your person to protect yourself? I would have to look that one up, to be honest with that you. That one, I think, because our, our carry permit is different. Some states have a concealed weapons permit. Right. Concealed mm-hmm. carry weapons, CCW. Ours Georgia is only, yeah, ours is only handgun carry permit. Exactly our, right. Our, if it, like on our permit, it says handgun. It but are no you absolutely weapon. certain that there's no wording in there that, that mm-hmm. brings in knives as 100% well? 100% positive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to refer you to Zeke on that one. <laughs> well, Zeke is not an attorney. Either. I'm not an attorney, either, but so, I did right. We're going to make that disclosure uh, for you. I, I did read that code. I tell you, we, we do have to use uh, computers and thank goodness for our little data phones because you pretty much have to be a lawyer out on the street these days with all the laws and bills and we have to refer to them just like anybody else does you can't memorize every subsection of every law well and they change too constantly Mm -hmm. constantly and a lot of people don't understand that it's your responsibility to stay up on those changes too you ever heard the ignorance is no excuse for the law absolutely Uh, you can't say that i didn't know right and and think that that's going to get you off now, if you've got a handgun carry permit, you're responsible for staying, keeping up with the laws and the changes of it. And that's we were talking uh, before the show started about one of those laws, as far as the, the carry permit goes, and that's in an establishment that serves alcohol. And you know, we were confused as to because it's gone back and forth on whether that was allowed or not allowed. And I think we've determined that at this point in time that it is allowed you are allowed to carry a firearm if you have your permit into an establishment that serves alcohol as long as you are not drinking and we consulted your friend david that has a training company yes he is actually a permit instructor packing heat is the name of his company and he uh, yeah (laughs) and i actually called him to make sure that that we was up on the latest information of it and he said it is legal to carry one inside an establishment as long as you do not consume alcohol once you jeff eady Jeff Eady. Jeff Eady. Jeff, we Thank appreciate you. the uh, info on that. Uh-huh. But heat. once you have one drink or you consume any amount of alcohol, it's actually a crime to consume alcohol while you're armed. And so you can be charged with uh, felony, intoxication. Right? Yeah, yeah. Intox- being intoxicated or consuming alcohol while you're armed. Breaking Lose the law. Your permit. Breaking the law. And it's, it, we, we brought that up because we're talking about how quick the, the laws change. And just from the time that Left Hand took his permit to the time I took mine, that had changed. And his was just, what, a few years ago? And then I had mine a few yeah, months ago. Three and years ago. The laws have totally changed. They do. They change. every. You have a lot of new laws going in effect January 1st, and a lot of new laws going in effect July 1st. Mm-hmm. And so around those time periods is when we usually get a notification of the, the changes that we have to review and stay up on. I think that one changed last July. Right. And right. You, and like you said, I mean, they you got to keep abreast of what's going on. And, you know, one that's going on right now is that um, – trunk gun law guns and trunks bill guns and trunks bill and sometimes they will wrap things inside bills that are related to other things as well so you know that's i don't know if there's anything wrapped into that one that anybody needs to be aware of at this everything i've read about it it's basically just where in the state of tennessee right now you can't store your gun in your trunk in certain workplaces Um, it's not just your trunk it's your car oh yeah in your car loaded in your car uh, unless you have a permit, of course. And even if you have a permit, you can't do it on school property. Well, this bill, which has passed all the way to the governor now, it's gone through the House and all the little processes. And why is he still sitting on that, by the way? I don't know. Unless he signed it. We just hadn't heard about it yet. It I, last I, I looked it up today. I looked it up today. There's on nothing on it. Yeah, hmm. I didn't see anything. And I've heard media reports that says he says he's going to sign it. Right. He just, to my knowledge, it hasn't, it hasn't been signed yet. Sign it. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> that limits a permit gun holder from being able to carry his weapon back and forth to work. In yeah. most cases. Dropping and, your and kids off from school. Exactly. You know, and, it's, uh, and if I have a gun handgun carry permit, I, I want to carry the gun. It's the reason why I've gone through mm-hmm. all the hassle to get the handgun carry permit. Now, once the law passes, it still doesn't mean that you won't be subject to your employer's regulations. Right. Which they means that they can, they can still fire policy. you or have disciplinary procedures brought against you if they do not allow it and you get caught carrying it. But you won't have to face, and, you won't be subject to criminal. And that's one of the controversies about that law is because a lot of people are interpreting it as it's protecting the employee against the employer from doing that. And that's one of the 
big gripes. I think that's that they're that's a misconception. I think what it's going to help more than anything is the employer with liability of mm-hmm. the weapons coming on their property. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of them are keeping their regulations intact. Of that, they're not going to allow you just because they're worried about the liability for them if something was to happen on their property and they allow you to carry the gun on there. And I think that's one of the things they changed in it to get it passed is originally it was completely look they get to carry it you know no matter what and a lot of the industry in tennessee was like no if we don't want it on our property we can't okay well now it's like you said earlier okay well we won't criminally prosecute you can still fire somebody if you don't want them to have a firearm on your property but we won't criminally prosecute them where used to they would Exactly. Right. Exactly what the, what the wording was changed in it, to my knowledge, too. I heard the and, same thing. And I think that might be what's tying it up, too, is they're trying to get clarity on that um, particular issue right there. And that might be what's holding it up. So, David, uh, we kind of gone a little bit in your background, your law enforcement uh, history and uh, training the canine bomb-sniffing dogs and all. We asked three questions of everybody that comes on the show, and we're going to throw those at you, too. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into firearms. Actually, when I was young, I was into hunting. Uh, my dad took a squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, so I got started there with the rifles. I actually didn't get into handguns until I got into law enforcement. Uh, okay. What was your first gun? First, let's, let's do first gun when you were growing up, and then first handgun you got. Uh, first gun growing up was a twenty two. Um First handgun was the Smith and Wesson thirty eight, the old police revolver. Was that an issue? Special. Yes, issue. What was the first one you went out and bought yourself, spent your own money on? Uh, I believe that was. You can remember back that far, old man. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was a Ruger three fifty seven. Yeah, nice. I believe so. Oh, revolver. Yeah, the old revolver, huh? Oh yeah. What was your first semi? That would be the Glock. Glock. Glock, when we went to him with uh, as my duty weapon, when I was issued one as a duty weapon, and I really didn't think I would like it at all. No, I'll take that back. We did the Smith & Wesson 5906 first. Oh, you did? Uh, and that okay. was actually my first MO, and I really didn't like it because the first trigger shot was double action, and then it went to single action, and I always hated that change. That first that, mm-hmm. You know, the change in it. Yeah. So it seemed like that first round, it took forever to squeeze the trigger mm-hmm. off, and then the next, <laughs> it was hairpin from there. So a lot of times what we found out is we part of our qualifications, we do a lot of quick drawing and double tapping. Well, sometimes that second round would go so fast, you'd get a third one. <laughs> Transitioning from that double to the single. Needless uh, to say, it probably threw your, uh, between your first and second rounds, probably threw that accuracy off quite it a does, bit. Too, it did. Yeah. It did. If you was usually going to pull one, it was usually your first one when you had a lot longer trigger pull. Yeah. And when we went to the Glocks, we'd heard so much, you know, talk about them when they first came out and everything that I really didn't think I would like it. And it, uh, I really did enjoy shooting the Glock. It was like a revolver revolver and a semi-auto mixed together. I mean, it was double action the whole time, every round. Was it a 45, first one? Uh, first ones we had were the 40s. Okay. 40s. 22s. Right. And now we carry the uh, Glock 2145 now on duty but we originally started out with the 40s our smith and wesson was nine uh, so we've kind of moved up over the years yeah you you collect too right i have some for personal protection i I keep a few (laughs) for personal protection (laughs) i'm not into a i don't have a big collection but i do have some for personal protection what's what's your your favorite one you got that's just your baby every time you see it you're like oh that's my the one I enjoy the most is the one I carry with me uh, the most, and that's my Springfield Armory XDM40. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, and then, uh, of course, my backup is, is a, usually always a revolver, and I've got a thirty eight snub-nosed revolver I carry as a backup weapon. Gotcha. Is that the Taurus you were telling me about earlier? No, actually, it's the Smith & Wesson. Okay. We already got the law enforcement experience, so we can skip that question. All right. Uh, we also talk about pop culture stuff, music, movies. Uh, that involve guns. What is your like go-to movie, TV show, song that talks about guns? Anything along those lines? You, you know, don't strike me as much a video gamer, so I won't even go. There. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> although Call of Duty, I have played with my son. I got nice. my oldest son. Right is on, a, right on. My oldest son is a law enforcement officer, and we uh, get in there and have some battles in Call of Duty and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> most of my shows I like to watch are the old westerns uh, mm-hmm. with the guns in it. And, you know, I still like the Rifleman. Uh, I've never seen anybody use that. Chuck mark. Connors? Yeah, oh yeah, that yeah. lever action. 30-30? Yep. There's yeah. some channel nice. on cable right now that plays the old Rifleman's pretty regularly. Really? Uh, channel... 
36 on Comcast on Saturday morning. Oh, he's got it now. Saturday morning at 5 a.m. When you work the night shift, you know when the show's come on. You got it now, man. Yes. The trivia question from last week was, uh, we went back to our Walking Dead the show. The governor. What was the bullpup design? You know, funny enough, we're kind of throwing back to the bullpup exactly. and pit bulls episode. You know, tying it in. Uh, the bullpup that the governor used when he first attacked the prison, it was the Steyr Aug. And we had a lot of people answer that one. And tonight we are doing the drawing for the free two-hour tactical training from Palisade Tactical. We're going to let David do We the will let David do the drawing. Wow, I've got some ammunition in this cup, too. But the names are in there, too. It's, it's a booby trap draw. Watch out, David. And it's in a big pimp cup that says Big Daddy. you got to show that uh, on That's there. on the video, too. I got it as a gift. for. It was like a bachelor party gift. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's pretty Whatever. cool. Whatever. You went out and bought that. You know I you did, did not. It's a bachelor party gift. So, you saved up for months to get that So cup. just read the first name and the last initial. Justin... M. So Justin M. M is in Mike. Congratulations. Congratulations. You have won that two hour free tactical training from Palisade Tactical. And once again, Sam at Palisade Tactical did say if you aren't able to make it to Tennessee for that two hour training, he will make it up to you in some swag, some Palisade Tactical t-shirt hats whatever he ends up having now there was one thing we forgot to do back when we gave away our first uh giveaway those uh zombie strike rail mounted light we had a sponsor for that and uh left hand forgot to announce that sponsor so i'll leave it up to him to uh make that one up (laughs) up to me yeah i don't want you to tick those people off they gave us zombie lights you're the one who set it up (laughs) not my fault So special thanks to our uh, NC Star Zombie Light uh, sponsors, which would be HG Press, Holder in Green Professional Real Estate Services. We greatly appreciate that, guys. And uh, if you guys get a chance, our listeners, and you're in the Middle Tennessee area and you need uh, real estate assistance, give these guys uh, a call. Call them at 800-615-1840. Extension 2222. Yeah, it's really cool to see that one thing we talked about when we first started this, what kind of sponsors are we going to get because we're about guns. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Is it only going to be gun shops and ammo companies? We've talked to a few companies that are gun-friendly outside of the gun industry, and it's neat to see people like that kind of stepping up and absolutely. And you think about that field of work, you know, realtors, real estate agents. You know the the type of positions that they put themselves in out there every day, sure. meeting strangers, and you know, going to these remote places to show uh, you know properties. Uh, they're probably some of the biggest uh, advocates of uh, handgun carry there are. Yeah. I've actually seen some, um, like on the Outdoor Channel, they've got the personal, is it personal defense? Or no, that's on Sportsman Channel. One of those channels that has gun shows. Uh, there's a show called Personal Defense, and they did a whole episode on real estate agents. It was pretty neat. And the cool. ways that they can you know, position themselves, say if there's an open house. One of the scenarios they used was this lady was putting on an open house, a real estate agent. The guy kind of stalked it out to see when it was ending. And about 20 minutes before it was ending, he knew she was still going to be there. He waited till the last person was gone. He took the sign off the top of the road, took the balloons down and went down and acted like he was going to look at the house. And she was showing it to him normal. And she turned around as soon as she turned around and grabbed her. So they were showing how that real estate agent, female or male, can position themselves right the entire time if it's a one-on-one situation like that. Pretty neat. Uh, there may even be in some future trainings around here that specifically, specifically target you yeah. know, teaching real estate agents how mm-hmm. to handle themselves. Well, there are, I know there are classes out there that uh, that are offered for that yeah well even if you go through different situations in your mind Mm -hmm. and and what if situations uh whether you're at home whether you're in your car driving whether you're out on the street area what what would i do if this happened what would i do it helps you when the situation actually does help you you go back to what your mind muscle memory mind memory what you've gone through and it never hurts to always Try to think ahead and be prepared. Yeah, and always be aware of your surroundings. Exactly. Don't get no so who caught up in your yeah. your latest electronic gadget <clears throat> that you're sitting there walking with your head down. You could walk right into traffic. Some yeah. people do, you know. Yeah. And 
you wouldn't have a clue that somebody's stalking you until it's too late. Kind of throwing back to your experience, we're kind of jumping around a little bit since we've done the trivia, but you got any cool stories that you're allowed to tell? So maybe like some bomb situation or... Through the K-9 uh, Psychology Center or through your... Uh Oh, the K9 Psychology Center. (laughs) We go to folks' houses and teach them how to get their dogs to behave the way you want them to. Mm -hmm. And usually uh, a lot of our situations, you know, it's behavior, and one spouse would be blaming the other spouse, and sometimes we feel like Dr. Phil going on there. They share way (laughs) too much information with us that's not related to the dog. You're more of a person psychologist at that point, right? Well, you've got to understand because what we have to do is customize the training to what's successful for the dog and what the owner is acceptable with. Mm -hmm. Uh, We use all forms of training. We use everything from all positive training to correction with uh, positive end corrections to reward training with clicker training. Yeah, we adjust it and we try to have as many different tools in the toolbox, so to speak, as possible because we want to match what's best for the dog and the dog's personality. If you have a real skittish dog, mm-hmm. a real fearful dog, you're going to want to work all positive training. You don't want to put corrections on him because he's not going to respond to it. Right. If you got a real dominant dog that's pushing his owners around, you're going to probably have to have corrections with the dog. And a lot of it depends on how motivated they are for the toy or the treat. So what's one of the strangest, weirdest training sessions you went on? Preferably with guns. <laughs> um, I know you were, you were starting to tell us a story about um, something that happened with a bomb threat on a plane or something. Right. Was, we had a uh, VIP but that wasn't through the canine psychology. No, 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 no. no. This is through the law yeah, enforcement, my law enforcement uh, experience. And uh, there was an airport that had uh, the president actually in town visiting for a fundraiser. And there was a bomb threat that was found on an aircraft. It was a note that was actually found in a rear laboratory on an aircraft. It was in flight? In flight. It had taken off from Dallas, your home state. Mm. <laughs> Everybody and, uh, knows that's I've where all the... three Texas homes. <laughs> where all the terrorists <laughs> lives in Dallas. <laughs> and the uh, plane diverted into town, and the dogs, explosive detection dogs, were deployed on the aircraft. Two dogs were actually deployed on the aircraft, one to go to the front of the aircraft and start clearing towards the back and one start at the back start clearing to the front the one that was headed towards the front's dog broke which means he started pulling towards a seat and went up underneath the sit the seat and sniffed and gave a final response now what most folks don't know what a final response is for a explosive detection dog is different than drug dogs drug dogs are usually bark or scratch at the item your explosive detection dogs sit and look at the handler. We don't want them barking don't and scratching and biting and trying to retrieve it. Don't want to you be know. too fidgety. Yeah. Uh, and when the, when the dog indicated, the other handler on the plane with his dog saw it from the back of the plane, went running out the back of the plane and down the <laughs> runway. He, he knew that there, there was a final response on the aircraft. And it turned out that uh, the FBI was brought in, interviewed the person who was sitting in the seat. She stated that uh, she had just gotten the bag from her husband that morning, of course, threw her husband under the bus you know sent the fbi down back down to texas which this was occurred in a different state sent the fbi down in texas pulled him off his job called him in to interview him and uh he said well it's been in the trunk of my car for the last two weeks he said i haven't even used it until this morning my wife got it out to take it on her trip and they said well what else was in the trunk of your car what has been in the trunk of your car and he said nothing but yard fertilizer he said i've got a trunk full of yard fertilizer well i'm planning on fertilizing my yard first chance i get well of course fertilizer has ammonia nitrates in it which mm-hmm. is one of the main chemical ingredients in your explosives so that's, that's what, what the dog actually smell. indicated so every time a dog yeah. gives an indication doesn't necessarily mean there's explosives there but it means that there's a chemical that's in an explosive there that they're keyed uh, in on exactly, exactly did they ever right. catch the guy who did the wrote the note yes actually it was the flight attendant that was on the plane. Wow. She was having a uh, she, she was having a domestic situation with her boyfriend and thought that if she wrote the note, the plane would turn around and go back. Oh my and, gosh! And, uh, yes, actually, it, and uh, she ended up getting course, prosecuted she, for it. I, and I stuff. hope she's and, still in jail. Wow. Yeah, and uh, they actually matched that up from where she tore the page out of her notepad, oh, and God. they matched the. Two sheets of paper up for the what was left in the notepad with the note. What a jack wagon! Real. We got another <laughs> jack wagon we threw in there. <laughs> so trivia. We'll go back to trivia. A little ADD moment for about five minutes there, but. Uh, We'll go back to the trivia for this week, which is... And we're going to do a little throwback to our our first YouTube video, the letter campaign. If you can tell us 
what two guns were featured in that video? That's the trivia question. And you may have to do some pausing and looking and, and zooming and, and studying because we don't mention it. And and don't send us a email or Twitter. Is that what they're called? Tweets. Tweets. Asking about them because we're not going to tell you. No hints. So you'll see it. So it's time for facts fact, to fight, fight, fight the myths. Myth, 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 myth. My myth this week is actually kind of a fact, but it's also a myth. It's, it's a fact like a to fight a fact. Is that <laughs> kind of like kind of pregnant? It, yeah, it's kind of like kind of pregnant. <laughs> That's a good analogy. It's, it's a fact that the gun grabbers and gun banners twist to make it sound more evil and horrible and so the the myth fact fact myth whatever you want to call it is if you own a gun if you go out and buy a gun it's going to make you more susceptible to having an accident with that gun well okay simple math tells you that yes if you have an item in your house that you didn't have before yes your chances of having an accident with that item gun candle holder knife whatever go up because now you have it but what they do is they say oh well it's gonna make you have an accident you're gonna end up shooting yourself your kid's gonna get shot somebody's gonna get killed just because you own a gun so that's kind of my fact to fight the myth fact yeah, just because you have a gun, if you're well-trained and you use it properly, does not mean you're going to end up shooting your foot off or your kid's going to accidentally get shot. My myth is that a dog that has a wagon tail will not bite you. I can actually tell you for a fact Isn't that, true? that that is a myth. <laughs> I have had dogs latched onto me, and that tail just a wagon. It just means they're enjoying it while they're biting you. <laughs> a wagon tail is just excitement. That's all it means. <laughs> so beware of the wagon tail. A wagon tail myth. If that tail is a wagon, it does not mean that dog won't bite you. <laughs> That's a good one. So my fact to fight the myth is uh, relating back to The Walking Dead. And this season, season three, episode 12, Episode's called Clear. It's the one where Rick goes and uh, he and Michonne and his little boy. What's his little boy's name? Little, Carl. Little, little Rick Carl Jr. Uh, and they are going back to his town there in Georgia. He just said Carl Jr. and made me hungry. Carl Jr.? Carl Jr. Hardy's? <laughs> Hardy's. <laughs> I haven't eaten dinner. Jeez. I haven't either. Have you? I hadn't had breakfast. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to bring dinner tonight. <laughs> Where's the buffet? <laughs> the catering. Right here. So Rick is leading this expedition back to his old town, and they're going to look for guns. And he's going to these specific places where he knows guns are located. And he makes a comment. Um, Michonne says, you know, so how do you know, you know, that these guns are, are going to be there? And uh, Rick makes a comment about some of the business owners kept guns under their counters. He knows this because he signed the permits himself. You know, Rick's the sheriff. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, he's in Georgia, and uh, this is inaccurate because in Georgia, they don't have to go to the sheriff's office to get their permits. They have to they go... like us, to, right? Yeah, pretty much just like us, or they go to a judicial body, you know, legislative body or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, um, the law that I found and... You know, this goes to even non-permit holders is it states that if you are not prohibited by law from possessing and you have to you know, look at what their definition of possession is, a firearm, you may carry a weapon on your own property and in your home, motor vehicle and place of business without needing a valid weapons carry license. So whoever the writers were of this episode were apparently from New York or somewhere like that. They so. too, do too much research. <clears throat> yeah, so that was my fact to fight the myth. Just a little thing you probably wouldn't have uh, caught if uh, you weren't as astute as I am. <laughs> or don't have a life. <laughs> <laughs> or that. We've got some new listener feedback. We've got Jim V. He emailed us real quick one and said, Just found you guys. You're a lot of fun. More. I need more. Of? Us. (laughs) (laughs) We had another one. And I'm going to keep writing uh, those letters, Jimbo. I'm going to be, these are some new iTunes ones. Gave us five stars by Dano313. Says, great podcast, guys. You get a five star for the simple fact of being pro gun. 
yet not psychotic anarchists that make the rest of us look bad. <laughs> I'm a huge gun fan. Just give us time. We'll do no. something. <laughs> I'm a huge gun fan with quite a few of my own, so this is a great show to listen to on my way to and from work. I'm only on episode six, so I'm not up to date, though, and anyone telling you to stop talking over each other are a bunch of jack wagons. Bunch of jack wagons. Absolutely. <laughs> it makes it more conversational. Absolutely. Keep, absolutely. 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 Keep up the great job, guys. Your fellow Tennessean. Tennessee. So I don't know who it is. Sweet. Uh, then the Thanks, last brother. Last one is What a Podcast, Five Stars by Tankless Pro. This is the one that I told you I was reading and my head started slowly growing and I told you to pop it real quick so I don't get too arrogant. So I need to grab a pen real quick. <laughs> <laughs> he says, An excellent podcast. Zeke and Left Hand are a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to be sitting in my chair. Uh, <laughs> guys, keep up the good work. I have listened to all of your podcasts. It's good to hear some Southerners in the mix with the Yanks from Illinois and Georgia. <laughs> One of the best things to come from Tennessee. Where's the love for Bama, though? Just because we're last in just all cat, just about all categories except alphabetical order, and co- alphabetical order and college football. Just kidding, guys. Keep them rolling, 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 rolling. Thank you, Tankless Rolling Tide. There you go. There's That's our right. shout out. Uh, I forgot to give a shout out to the Atlanta Pitbull Rescue on our last uh, our Pitbulls and Bullpup show. So I waited till David came in and gave us a little more insight on the Pitbulls. So I, I do want to give a shout out to Atlanta Pitbull Rescue. Um, We've left a lot of people out. Yeah, we have. Uh, But just go back and check out AtlantaPitbullRescue.com. Great organization there. Oh, also want to give a shout-out to TG Promotions. Those are the people that set up our uh, clothing line website and are going to be getting all that stuff together. Uh, Great people over there. Just if you have any promotional items you need to get done, uh, whether it be T-shirts, mugs, pins, anything. On a hat that says left hand. He can come up with it. He can find anything. Anything, I promise you. But that's TG Promotions. Uh, just ask for Terry. Tell him we sent you if you go. Absolutely. Also check out our uh, new uh, website. We'll have it posted on Facebook and our our uh, store. Our store. We already our have the website. Storefront. I'll have it posted on our website. Yeah. We also want to give a shout out to our other shows on the Firearms Radio Network: AR15 Podcast, Gun Girl Radio, This Weekend Guns, Road Gunner Podcast. God and Guns, Student of the Gun Radio, Fat to Fit HQ, Top Shot Podcast, Gun Guy Radio, Gun Guy Radio After Show. It's all part of the Firearms Radio Network, firearmsradio.tv. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and our website, www.talkingled.com. And don't forget about the AR-15 Beauty pageant is March the 28th. March the 28th. That's going to be a fun time. It's probably going to be an extra long show for you guys, too, so we'll have to start that one on time. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) And as always, left hand. Hey, guys, wait a minute. What about the EDC check? Ah. (laughs) He called us out on it. We forgot it the past couple episodes. We have. All right, since you called us out, let's start with you. Go for it. What are you packing there, Big D? Well, I've got the Springfield Armory XDM 40. Nice. Very and nice. as uh, my backup weapon, I have the Smith & Wesson 38 snub nose with the uh, Crimson Trace laser on it. How do you carry backup? And pocket holster and on my offhand. I always carry my backup on my offhand. Yeah, I don't want to be restricted in case somebody's trying to grab your primary and you're having to hold retention on it. You want to be able to get to your backup weapon as a secondary. And then uh, Good point. Third one is... Third, always a the knife. The knife. What kind of yeah. knife are you you packing? Uh, after we talked about spring assisted, <laughs> we won't go there. But <laughs> it's the cut your safety. That's right. That's and of course, right. don't you have an exemption? Yes. So yes, I do. Actually, as, as a law enforcement officer, if it's uh, used on official duty, we can carry it with us. There you go. So there left you hand, go. your turn. I'm doing a little different today. Still Glock, but I got the 23 and uh, added a Packmire <clears throat> grip to it. Have you used those? No, I haven't. They're very, very comfortable. I'll let you. Safety check that thing, and then I'll uh, check I'll it out. Safety check it. Didn't quite make it. What a beautiful noise. <laughs> Ooh. I like that. It's similar to the little hogue grip slip-ons, kind of. Pretty nice. I like yeah, it. it's a, it's got a good feel to it. It does. I like them a little better than the hogues. They're more vented, too. Yeah. The hogues are more solid. Yeah. They have a little more vent, a little more cushion, seems like. You got a backup on you? Yeah, and uh, as always, I've got the uh, Walther PPS 9mm. 
And then oh, my th- here comes the rape whistle. And then my third. <laughs> my third I think that's more wishful thinking than anything. Is my tool logic with the uh, flashlight and the um, the fire assist and with the ferris rod and uh, the rape whistle. Oh, and did uh, we open that with inertia? Inertia. And yes, it can be open with uh, inertia. Exactly right. Sling it open. So that's illegal, right? <laughs> well, me? Makes By it the illegal. letter of the law. By the letter of the law. Yeah, I had to give it three flicks there, though. <laughs> and my, what are you carrying, Zeke? I'm carrying my Glock 19. Your new baby? How are you liking baby? that? I'm loving this thing, man. Is it your uh, new favorite? Uh, I, I still love my Mr. 40, man. I just, But this this is a close second, if not a tie. So I, I, I love uh, this. Yeah, it will be your favorite. Uh, you need to go my, shoot it more. I'd say I like the 40 caliber better than the 9. Yeah, my Mr. 40. I'll, I'll show it to you later. As far as feel, you know, the Glock, do you no, like the feel? The feel, the glo- like just handling it? For you, no, yeah. I like the Mr. 40. Do you? It's got yeah. a bigger handle, doesn't it? And it's got a it's got a, uh, a grip angle similar to the Springfields. Oh, it's yeah. It's got a more up straight up and down grip angle uh my backup was it's not actually on me now but it's behind me is my uh taurus 605 357 magnum and of course my knife that i now carry for safety <laughs> not for the purpose now could safety arm. also be conscru- construed as protection no because i'm gonna specifically say <laughs> it's for cutting my seatbelt, <laughs> and that's all you gotta say that's yeah. it that's for cutting my sometimes less See, less wordage is you know, better I wonder if that's the yeah. reason they put that on there so people could say oh it's a seatbelt cutter it just happens to flick it's, open easier yeah, it's an ems knife <laughs> have you seen the uh, brass knuckles it's got a little hook on it uh-huh yeah it's brass knuckles but they designed it to look like a belt buckle. So oh, it's not so brass knuckles, so it's, it's a, a belt, belt buckle. buckle. Well, but it's go. actually. Uh huh. <laughs> there's always loopholes. <laughs> nice. Well, that was our EDC check. Thank you, David, for coming in. Thank you for calling us out on forgetting our EDC check. <laughs> It's and nice to know we got fans out there that you know know about our show. It is. He he's out. a leadhead. Yeah, heck yeah. He's a, he's yeah. a new leadhead. Appreciate y'all inviting me out. Give no your give your uh, company another plug. Give everybody the it's the, the Canine Psychology Center. Uh, the website is caninepsychology dot com. That's the letter K, the number nine, and then Psychology Center, all spelled out, all one word, right? Yes. Dot we'll, po- we'll post it on the on the show notes and also on the website and Facebook. So once again, thank you, David. And as always, left hand, keep your loved ones close. Keep your firearms closer.